0: Sports Talk Mississippi's Brian Haydad, along with Robbie Falk from 24-7 Sports, give you an inside look at the Bulldogs on the field, the court, and the diamond. Now, get ready for Thunder and Lightning. This is Thunder and Lightning here on Super Talk Mississippi. Brian Haydad and Robbie Falk with you on a Sunday evening. Thanks for joining us here at supertalk.fm or wherever it is. You get podcasts from. We appreciate all of our great listeners, especially our service men women out there taking care of us. I want to thank our sponsors at Strange Brew Coffee House and churn spoon ice cream. Oh, well, hold on. We got to save them for a little later in the show. I forgot about that. I forgot what day it is. We'll come back to them. I want to thank College Corner, collegecornerstore.com. That's the place to shop this holiday season. And yes, we are getting closer and closer to the holiday season. For the Mississippi State fan in your life, whatever you're looking for, maroon and white, they've got it at College Corner for your house, for your car for your tailgate, or just for yourself. If you want to show that you represent Mississippi State, they've got you covered. College Corner. Humble Taco is Startville's newest and best Mexican restaurant, Mexican fair with Mississippi roots. It is a place that will be hopping this weekend, as well it should be. And They've been tweeting out a lot of specials. They've got some new tacos on the menu. I, I didn't get all the details, Robbie, but I believe I see that they now have like a Philly cheesesteak taco.
1: Well, that sounds excellent. I had a Philly cheesesteak last night mm-hmm. around uh, midnight. Now, picture that in taco form. Yes.
0: Now, now we're getting somewhere with ourselves. So yes. when you are in Starkville and you're craving Mexican food, don't do the same old, same hole. Don't do the number 43 with, with, with a, a cheese dip. Head over to Humble Taco for a unique menu like you're not going to find anywhere else. Call us wrong. Mississippi State, 45, Vanderbilt, 6. Total domination by the Bulldogs, uh, start to finish. Vanderbilt saying they are not good is an insult to not good teams everywhere across the country. They are – I haven't said one, I don't think this football season, but they are putrid. And they're bad. But one thing we always say here on Thunder and Lightning is when you play a bad team, if you're a good team, you should dominate them. And Mississippi State did exactly that. Will Rogers four touchdown passes uh, spread it out over thirteen different receivers. Defensively, just the one big play uh, got pressure on the quarterbacks, turned forced turnovers. All in all, a great day for Mississippi State, and now giving them that giving them that momentum to push into these final five games, which will determine the course of the Mike Leach ship. Saying all that, one man on this show was at that game. He saw it all firsthand. Let's ask him about it right now. Tell him, Falk.
1: Well, you just said everything that I was going to say. Vanderbilt stinks, <laughs> but and, and stinks is a very—I I, don't—I don't think I'm putting enough emphasis on that. This team is bad. This they team is really room. bad. They are really bad. <clears throat> yes, we had a closed press box, and I could still smell the stench. <laughs> But no, you you said it exactly correct. Mississippi State had to come in and dominate Vanderbilt, and they did just that. It, it wasn't perfect. You had you had several miscues, and you still won the ball game forty five to six. And and what did we say coming in this ball game? You know, Mississippi State just needed to go in there, dominate, and get a road win, and that was going to be big. Just finding a way to. <coughs> Just finding a way to get a road win was, was huge for Mississippi State. But you like the style points. You like to see the offense come out, execute the way that it did, put up big numbers, and um, get a chance to get Chance, Lover in the ball ballgame, um, and, and some younger guys. It was just an all-around great night for Mississippi State. You did have two interceptions from Will Rogers, but I thought he bounced back from that well. In, game, in some of these games this year, Mississippi State struggled to get off to good starts, and if they have a turnover, it just seems like it really kind of messes with this team's psyche. We saw it against Alabama, the two interceptions that Will Rogers threw early in that ballgame. State was never able to come back from that. He threw two interceptions, really three interceptions in this ballgame. One of them was called incomplete, and State was able to get over the top uh, and get past that. I think that was huge in the development of this team. And, you know, we talked about last week, Not we don't know what we could take from that Alabama game. I didn't know what we were going to be able to take from this Vanderbilt game either. But I do think that you can see that this offense is gaining traction. I I want to see more consistency. I want to see more nights like this from Mississippi State moving forward. I want to see them come out against Kentucky and put up 350 to 400 yards passing, move the ball consistently, score in the red zone. I want to see that from Mississippi State against really good teams and teams that can defend. Uh, it's great to look at the numbers and say, wow, look at this offense, look how good this offense uh, can be and things like that. But at the end of the day, it, it is Vanderbilt, and I think that you need to put you know, proper context in. You need to give credit where credit is due. Mississippi State came out, handled business like they were supposed to. But let's see if they can translate this ball game into this week which is a, a huge ball game and one of the biggest games of the season for Mississippi State. You know, this could be a difference between five wins, maybe seven wins for Mississippi State. You win this ball game, carry some momentum into two more really important ball games on the road. I think this could be huge for Mississippi State and can can be a major turn in their season one way or the other. So you, get, you you knocked off one team that you had on this back half of the schedule, and, and you checked that off the checklist. Next up is Kentucky at home, and it's a team that's ranked inside the top 15. They've lost one game to the number one team in the country this year. They're going to be ready to play, and Mississippi State needs to take what they did in this ballgame and carry it over to this week now. I agree.
0: I agree. We'll talk about this game a lot in the, in the coming days, obviously, but we're going to talk about this game against Kentucky uh, quite a bit Uh, today on the show and let's go ahead and get into that that's going to be brought to you by our good friends over at the Mississippi Beef Council Mississippi is not just a state for agriculture when it comes to cotton and soybeans and and corn and rice it is a beef producing state 15,000 of our producers in this state nearly a half billion dollars a year is the total value of cattle production and they're producing some of the best foods you can get your hands on and when you go to the store when you're looking to put something together for your tailgate for your home For your family, beef needs to be on the menu. Not only delicious, but it's good for you. Lean protein, essential nutrients, and great taste. Make sure you check out msbeef.org. A lot of great recipe ideas, plus a lot of upcoming uh, promotions with beef happening around this state. You will definitely don't want to miss out on. Beef, it's what's for dinner. Thank you to our friends at the Mississippi Beef Council. Two Brothers smoked meats in the heart of the Cotton District. Don't forget, if you want to be the envy of the junction, get Two Brothers to cater your tailgate anytime up to Wednesday at noon uh, of this week. You can send an email to two starkville at gmail.com. they got a lot of great stuff on the menu. Not, not only just the stuff you find in the restaurant, but a few other surprises as well. Ribs. I'm talking about ribs. They have ribs for tailgate.
1: Just yes. Saying. I had ribs for lunch. Delicious.
0: So, Two Brothers, if you can't make it uh, there to uh, to hang out in the Cotton District, you can definitely have them at your tailgate. Smoked Southern Soul Food at Two Brothers Smoked Meats. Advantage Business Systems has a two-way plan for taking care of your business. How are they going to do it? Well, they're going to, first off, offer you an incredible selection of products and services, everything your business needs from a technology standpoint to move forward. Copiers, printers, computers, software, mailing systems, whatever it is, they've got it. And then every sale they make gets backed up with A1 customer service, the kind you're expecting to get when you do business with your next-door neighbor, which is what they are at Advantage Business Systems. They are your neighbors. They have been dealing with Mississippians and working with Mississippians for their entire existence as a company, 46 years. Nobody stays in business that long unless they are taking care of their customers. Why don't you call them today and find out what they can do for you. That number is 601-362-9192, or visit them online at absms.com. Find out how Advantage Business Systems will help your business do business. It is time once again for our Monday tradition. These are the things that are true. There are 11 of these things today, Robbie, and every last one of them is truer than the one before it.
1: So when we get to the 11th one, it's the most true of all of them. I might have something to say about that, so we'll see. see. All right, number one, I think you'll
0: agree. That's not what I expected to see. And when it was, I think it was it 17-6 at one point? I thought, you know, they were struggling. Rogers had thrown the, the one pick and had another one that should have I thought was a pick. I like they're just they're just not getting it going. And then the floodgates opened and everything started to click for them, and it worked. It worked. I did not expect to see 45 points. I did not expect to see Rodgers throw for four touchdowns. I really did think it was going to be a game that was. Probably close. It looked closer on the scoreboard than it was supposed to, but it wasn't. And you have to give Mississippi State. Now, Vanderbilt deserves some of the blame there because, as you might can guess, I don't watch a ton of Vanderbilt football. I like to watch good football. So I didn't realize quite how bad they were, and, buddy, they're awful. But Mississippi State was much better and sharper than I expected them to be.
1: The first half – until that Rufus Harvey touchdown, I think, late in the first half, was kind of what you and I expected from Mississippi State. They got the touchdown early. Then they drove down. They had to settle for a field goal. Saw a couple interceptions for Will Rogers. The offense was looking like what we talked about, the inconsistency with that we've seen from Mississippi State. Neither you nor I expected a blowout in this ball game because Mississippi State just hasn't done it since Mike Leach has been here but it's like whenever that play happened and and Will Rogers was able to get that drive back after his interception was was overturned and then Tucker Day got the rough in the the punter penalty, I feel like things started turning in Mississippi State's favor and the momentum just started mounting. The defense was pretty much great all game long, and like you said, that's Vanderbilt, but uh, they, kind of, they came to play. It was the offense that we were all sitting around waiting on to really start to show itself yesterday, and it did. And, and the second half was was probably the cleanest and best that they've played um, this season yeah. from Mike Leach's bunch. So, I, I mean, you're exactly right. I, neither of us predicted that, but it, we were both in show-me uh, mode. And I, and I still want to see that against really good teams. I want to see this offense be consistently good. Yeah.
0: Well, that's number two, and I think, I think we would agree here that it still wasn't as good as it needs to be. It was good. It was good. It was much improved. But they still left yards and some points on the field.
1: There's no doubt. The, the uh, false starts from the offensive line continue. Scott Lashley has, gave up a whiff on a play, gave up a sack. Uh, Will Rogers held the ball too long for five or six seconds and got sacked. That there's got to be that they got to clean up some things still. There's still some things that are happening uh, constantly. You know, these sacks, uh, whether it be coverage or you know, from the right side of the line, the fault start holding penalties from the offensive line. Um, you know, Will Rogers missing a guy here and there. There's still some. There's so much more that this offense can be, and it's it's kind of why that we've said over and over that this offense. Can be effective, or at least I've said it. This offense can be effective in this league, but there's just these these things that I feel like is holding it back from being really, really good. Yesterday we saw it be as as good as we've seen probably since last year uh, against Missouri, but there's still those little things here and there that they really need to uh, clean up. Yeah, and that, and that, you said it right there. You know, it's little
0: things that need to be cleaned up. You know, the the big picture stuff worked. On, on Saturday. Uh, you know, they were effective running the ball when they chose to. They spread the ball around to a bunch of different receivers. Uh, Rodgers, for the most part, looked comfortable in the pocket. There's just a couple of things here and there. We're going to talk about – you mentioned Scott Lashley. we got to talk a little more in-depth about him. But by and large, it was a very good performance for Mississippi State. But is it good enough to beat Kentucky, Arkansas, Auburn, Ole Miss? I would say no. I would say that they still have some work to do to get to those games. But we'll see. Number three, I don't think the turnovers are the biggest issue for Mississippi State anymore. I think it's, it's, it's entirely hinges on red zone. If state, state is going to get into the red zone five times, six times a game, it looks like. If they're getting touchdowns five times, they're going to win. They're going to win because they're good enough defensively to do that. But when, they, when they're settling for field goals or when they're just not getting anything, which has happened in their losses, that, that's the difference. State showed they could overcome turnovers in this game, but go back to the Alabama game even. We're going to talk a little bit more about that. You know, State turns the ball over, but then they drive down and they have to get a field goal. If they get a touchdown, I know Theo DeRosa got sort of, you know, sideways with Mike Leach on that question on Monday, but his point remains, if that game is 7-7 instead of 7-3, I think it it takes on a different uh, face. If State, in their three field goal attempts, had turned those into touchdowns, it's a different kind of game. State has just got to be more effective and more efficient when they get into the red zone. And when they do that, they're capable of beating anybody.
1: No doubt. And, you know, I got into a little bit of a back and forth on our message board about this when I mentioned that even against Texas A&M, when people talked about how great the offense looked in that game, they still struggled to score inside the red zone. And, you know, People were saying, well, they were four for five on scoring opportunities inside the red zone. Yeah, but it, it took five plays from the two-yard line for them to score a touchdown in one possession. Another possession, they get the interception in the first possession of the game, have great field position, immediately drive inside the red zone, and they can't score. They have to kick a field goal. You saw them late in that ballgame against A&M. They get down there inside the 15, and they have you know holding penalties, sacks, false starts, things like that. This team is just – it just it's really hard for them to score when they get inside the red zone. They might eventually do it, but it's not a foregone conclusion that they're going to score points. And a lot of that is, you know, the defense is tightened up. You don't – you're not used to your offensive line having to move everybody out of the box and open up a hole and get somebody in the end zone from three yards out. So it's a little tougher for that offensive line to block how they used to in the past, you know, when Dan Mullen was the coach or even Joe Moorhead, when it was almost guaranteed when Mississippi state got inside the five yard line, they were scoring a touchdown against everybody other than Alabama. So it's just, it's very difficult for this team to get the ball in the end zone unless they're throwing 15 yard or 20 yard touchdowns, which we've seen them do. And we saw them do uh, yesterday as well. So efficiency has got to be better inside the red zone. Like you said, this offense is going to move the ball. They move the ball against Alabama. They move the ball against A&M. They're going to move the ball against everyone. Finishing is going to be the difference between this team being competitive in the SEC West and this team being, you know, 6-6 six or 7-5 six and, six or seven and five mm-hmm. most years under Mike Leach. And yesterday, you know, it, it just looked like, uh, you know, a cat playing with a mouse outside before it went for the kill. Uh, Vanderbilt was so bad, State could just you know, kind of dink and dunk and get it down the field and then um, you know, hit, a, hit a big play or get inside the red zone, they could still score. But that's not going to be everybody. Uh, they're not going to be just physically better than everybody else. They've just got to be more efficient and, and finish those drives. Yeah. And if they're doing that, they're going to be just fine the rest of the way. Simple as that. If they aren't,
0: they're going to struggle. If it, it, it is literally all about that. If you're going to have an offense that's great between the 20s you got to make teams, you know, they're, I've never seen a bend but don't break offense. you got to start breaking into the end zone with a little bit more regularity. What you saw Saturday was a good start. Number four, I'm still perturbed by what I saw against Alabama, and what I mean by that is this. Tennessee, not great, not a good football team, but they were in that game in the third quarter. It was, what, 21-17 at one point? And, you know, finally Alabama broke away. It's just troubling to me that, Everybody in the SEC seems to be putting points on Alabama except Mississippi State. That is, that's, that to me, even after the Vanderbilt game, is still a little troubling.
1: Well, I I still go back to the fact that I think it's in these players' heads at this point. They see Alabama on the jersey and they realize, you know, they haven't had a whole lot of success, haven't had any success against Alabama in uh, most of their lives. And, I just think that they, that's just been an intimidating factor for them. Um, you're right. I mean, every, it was seemingly every team is scoring points on Alabama. Ole Miss moved the ball on them. That, they struggled in that game because of some fourth down calls. But, you know, they scored 21 points late, and they moved the ball pretty much most of that ball game. Uh, you know, Tennessee, like you said, was right there neck and neck with them. They had a – 50-something-yard touchdown by Javante Payton, who played in this offense last year. So, yes, I mean, it is it, – it, it's frustrating. But we, I go back to last week whenever Will Rogers throws two interceptions. They were driving down the field in that first possession with ease. I mean, they had four first downs in the first five plays, I think. Yeah. And then Rogers threw the interception, just a bad read. So, it, it's not like this team's incapable of scoring on Alabama – It's not like the offense is incapable of putting up points against Alabama. I just think that that's a team that you cannot make any mistakes against in that offense, uh, with that offense. you got to be perfect. You can't go off script. They're going to make the tackles. You're not going to get many yards after the catch. Um, You can't make a bad read, anything like that. You can score, but you got to be very precise. And Mississippi State was not precise, and it just kind of snowballed. And by the end of the game, they were just kind of dejected. It just, like I said, when you see other teams, you know,
0: Ole Miss put points on them, uh, Tennessee has put points on them, A and M obviously put a bunch of a bunch of points on them. It, it, it frustrates you when you see State only being able to get nine. But the good news is that's just one game, and it's gone now. So it doesn't, you know, whatever happens the rest of the way doesn't really matter. Number five, you, you've already mentioned him, but, but something's got to be done about Scott Lashley. Uh, he's just not playing good enough to, to continue to play. And I don't know if you want to shake things up on the offensive line at this moment in time. Uh, I don't know what you want to do. I don't know if you're just going to have to sort of sacrifice a receiver in the pattern and let, let, let the, the running back stay in to help. But he, he has become a liability over these past couple of weeks. And that's, that's something you can, you can deal with in these final five games. You've got to be better there. I don't know what the solution is. I'll say that to start. I just know that there's a problem that has to be fixed.
1: Yeah, and it's gotten to the point now where, I mean, Charles Cross is just he, – he's dominating just about everybody that he goes up against. He's playing like a first-rounder right now and your interior's been solid. I mean dollar bills really come along I feel like. He's been he's been good down the stretch. You haven't really noticed him making a ton of mistakes. Uh Cam Jones had a big holding penalty, but he's he's been fine. That right tackle spot is your one bugaboo. You can't figure it out. And it's not just the blocking, it's the penalties. Yeah. I mean, at this stage in the game, you shouldn't be seeing false starts. You, you shouldn't be seeing the holding penalties that you've had. You know, he had a very, very tough matchup last week against Will Anderson. Mm-hmm. But this was Vanderbilt yesterday. It, it shouldn't have been too terribly difficult. Um, I, yeah, yeah, I don't know what you do. I mean, it's, you're, you're halfway through the season. But that's kind your of your, your only glaring issue right now on the offensive line. That group's gotten so tight at this point. I feel like they're playing some really good football. They're giving Will Rogers a real clean pocket back there. Um, you know, a, a lot of his sacks that he's taken this year has been him just holding to the ball too long, and the cop the pocket finally collapsing. So I don't really blame him, blame that offensive line for uh, some of the issues that they've they've uh, had with with any sacks. But yeah, he's pretty much the only problem that you have right now up front. And and there's something to be said about the coaching staff as well.
0: I mentioned this on Sports Talk, that what happened with, with Lashley against Will Anderson was very reminiscent of Moorhead's first year when Josh Allen was just ripping up Greg Island, and they just refused to bring any help over there, and so nothing changed, and, and Allen just had a fantastic night that night. Sort of the same thing here. Coaches have got to be willing to say, look, what we're doing is not working. we got to make an adjustment here so we can protect our quarterback, because that's what this is about. You know, It's one thing if you're just like, they're stopping the run and, and you know, our running backs taking hits. Well, they kind of expect to. But you can't let your quarterback get teed off on like that. So, I'm interested to see what they do to adjust there because there has to be some adjustment. I don't – like, again, I don't know the solution for that. They're not paying me $5 million a year to figure that out. But I just know that there's a problem that has to be be solved.
1: And, uh, you know, the the topic kind of came up this week when Mississippi State offered uh, Chris Bale from Greenville Christian – um, you know, and a lot of people talking about it, he's, he's not a fit for this offense and things like that, and I, I get that, but I'm kind of at the point now, like, why not get some bigger wide receivers slash tight ends for this offense and, and put him more of an attached role there to help chip, to help block, things like that, and th- they're not only going to help you on the offensive line blocking as as an extra blocker up front, but Mississippi State's had um, a lot of plays break out this year because of blocking down the field from the wide receiver so they can help you there too and in the red zone. So I don't see a problem going and getting a guy like Chris Bell, which it's also been talked about. He could play defense too. So I don't, I don't know what State's plans are, but get a guy like that and help that offensive line a little bit. Help, help have some protection there. Not, you shouldn't have to uh, rely just on those guys or, or your backfield. Get another guy in there and, and help open up some plays. I think they could really use this year Brad Cumbis or Jaquarius Spivey in that role up front, especially when they got in the red zone because they just haven't been able to um, open up any holes really in the red zone. Um, so that's just my two cents on on that.
0: It's, it's an interesting concept. I mean, it, it would re- involve making some tweaks and changes to this offense, which I don't know if that's going to happen or not. But, I mean, you make a good point. Uh, number six a lot of what we said about the offense today we could say about the defense they, they i thought they were much i thought they were better than i expect them to be completely dominant in my opinion but at the same time still some busts here and there that they need to fix they gave up one big play and i felt like Vanderbilt had some opportunities for big plays but they had such terrible quarterback play and their team speed is so bad that state was just able to swallow everything up The good news is this week, Kentucky isn't a team with just devastating speed at all positions. That's a team I feel like you can bottle up as well, but the problem is Kentucky does have the ability in the offensive line to grind you down over long drives. But I thought, again, both sides of the ball for Mississippi State, this was one of their best performances under Mike Leach, period.
1: I was really impressed with the defense. I I don't care what team you're playing. To do what they did yesterday was really impressive. They gave up, I think, two yards per play on, on plays that weren't that 61-yard pass. That that was literally the only thing that that Vanderbilt was able to do all day. That pass set up a field goal, and then the other field goal came on the short field after the interception. So the defense really gave up almost nothing mm-hmm. in that ball game. And um, I think it was uh, – I forget the stat uh, Brian Ogden told us about one of, if not the only team since 2000 or something to have like 40, 45 play, under 45 plays surrendered in a game against the FBS opponent or something. It, it was something crazy like that. But, uh, you know, they got them off the field. They averaged maybe four plays a drive uh, on on Saturday. They weren't picking up chunks of yardage. We talked about the fact that they're not an explosive offense. So, state basically pressured the quarterback to make a play, and he couldn't. Uh, I thought the defensive game plan was a good one. I thought everybody executed. It was good to see Aaron Brule making a few plays. We haven't seen a whole lot of him um, this season, and, and he got back there and made some I'm, plays. Ty, Tyrus Wheat was really good. So I, I think that was a really good showing by the defense. And to your point about the Kentucky game, uh, we're going to talk more about that as the week goes on. But just a a quick glance at them – I think that's a game where you need to come out and just do what we've we've said many times. Just do not let them establish the run. Um, you'll, you'll if you have if you're going to give up some big plays in that passing game, give them up, but do not let them establish the run because that's what they want to do. They want to set up big pass plays with the run, and they have the guys to do it. Uh, Wend- Wendell Robinson's one of the best wide receivers in the country. Um, you got a good quarterback in there that can get in the ball. Don't let them establish the run. And I think Mississippi State's going to be ready for that challenge. Yeah, I agree with you. Let's talk about that game now. Number
0: six, I'm normally an Egg Bowl guy for most important game of the season, but this is it. This is the most important game. This is going to set the tone that State needs this game. Uh, they they need it from, from a bunch of different perspectives, not just the win. This is a game where I, I don't know what the crowd's going to be like, but This team's four and three with a chance to go to five and three, basically wrap up a bowl game, get get some momentum going in the second half of the season. I'd like to see a decent crowd. I don't know if I will or not, but I would like. I think that I think that it needs to happen. I think State needs to come out and continue to play well. I think State needs to go out and beat another ranked team, which they've done, you know, under Mike Leach with some success. It's kind of funny to me that Kentucky, I think, is ranked what, 12th, 13th in the country, something like that. And state is a two-point favorite when the lines come open up. That, that gives you an idea. And it's been that way all year for Mississippi State. There have been some wonky lines uh, for the Bulldogs. So, you know, sort of pay attention to that. But this game is incredibly important. Winning this game takes off a ton of pressure for the rest of the way. If you get this one, you know, you you you've sort of done away with the memphis loss at this point you can you can it's it's not an issue anymore you know you're going to go to a bowl game because you're going to get that win over tennessee state and you can just move forward a loss and i mean i just feel like there's going to be a ton of pressure on the bulldogs with their next two games on the road against good sec west
1: teams yeah you don't want to be in that position you don't want to be in that position having to beat auburn and arkansas on the road and then having to beat Ole Miss. Uh, You're you're trying to find a win in those three games. That's a dangerous spot to live in if you're Mississippi State trying to find a a bowl game. So, And and on the the flip side of that, if you win this game, you have a lot of confidence moving forward. You have some confidence that you can go into Auburn and win that game. You have some confidence you can go to Arkansas and win that game too. And then we'll see when when the Egg Bowl rolls around where those two teams are. Do you think Kentucky is a little fool's gold – You know, I said that uh, before they played
0: Florida. I said, you know, this team's fool's gold and Florida's going to easily handle them. And then they just went out and won the game. Then they dominated LSU. Uh, Obviously, they got handled by Georgia, but Georgia's probably the best team in the country this year. I don't know how much I can hold that against them. So I don't know if fool's gold is the right term. We said earlier this year that State's the good, bad
1: team. I think Kentucky's the bad, good team. They win yeah, I mean, games. Like the, you, you mentioned um, you know the Florida game, Florida played horribly in that ball game, yeah um, and then you, you know Kentucky had the the Chattanooga game, yeah, they barely beat South Carolina. I don't, we- I don't know what to think about them. I, I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt because they haven't sucked they haven't had they haven't had that letdown game. Mm -hmm. Their only loss right now is losing to the best team in the country, and I can't fault them for that. They they are the bad guys. I don't know what – They they win, but they don't win impressively. I think we'll find out a lot about them this weekend. Oh, I agree. If Kentucky wins this game, Robbie, they're probably going 11-1. and Yeah, I feel really good about Kentucky if they win this game. And and maybe maybe, um, fool's gold isn't the right term. I I just don't – I don't know – what this team really is, like, uh, they got the big. They they've got big. They've got big blowout wins or big wins at home. Mm-hmm. They haven't been all that we impressive on the, on the road. Yeah, but they haven't really. I mean, they just played the teams that are in in on their schedule. I mean, there's nobody. Yeah. No, there hasn't been a game there for them to really impress. They had an
0: easy schedule and they've taken full advantage of it. You have got to give them credit. Yeah. So, all right, number seven. or, sorry, number eight. Number eight. This is a game Mississippi State can win. What Kentucky likes to do kind of plays into what Mississippi State can slow down, the running game. Uh, Defensively, Kentucky is good but not great. Um, You know, Will Levis is a good quarterback. He is not a great quarterback. He is not a game-changing quarterback. There's a lot working in Mississippi State's favor uh, here. Uh, Obviously, you mentioned on the road, Kentucky has not won in Starkville since 2008, Sylvester Crooms last year. There's a lot working for Mississippi State. This is a game the Bulldogs can win. If they if they if they, they they are favorites in this game for a reason, I believe.
1: And as we've seen, Vegas is pretty smart. We didn't think it would we didn't think state would uh would cover that twenty three point spread or whatever it was mm-hmm. with Vanderbilt and they blew past it. So that I think they see a little bit what we see with Kentucky. We don't really know what to expect from them. They haven't like we said, haven't been just super impressive um against really good teams, but they're also eight and one or whatever they are right now. I think Stoops is a really good coach and I think he's got this program. I, I thought he might have hit his ceiling, but he's starting to recruit better. He's starting to get more interest in the program. I think there's more there's more meat on the bone there for him. I think, I think this team's moving even further up the ladder a little bit, and I think they can be a little more of a contender in the East moving forward. Um, you know, I mean, you look at them right now, they have one loss in the SEC. I mean, they're out of the race because Georgia beat them, but they're beating Florida, a team that they haven't beaten in 25 years until a couple years ago. Uh, this team's starting to do things like what Mississippi State did under Dan Mullen. They're starting to do things they haven't done in a really long time. Yeah,
0: th- that program has – and not all programs can do this. Not all programs can be as patient with their head coach as Kentucky was with Mark Stoops. But when you're Kentucky and you have that unique relationship with basketball and you know that that's really all your fans truly care about, you can afford to let your football program sort of you know get through the the tough years – and try to turn it around. Stoops is a good coach. Mm-hmm. I don't. I, I'd be interested to see how he could he would do at a power, where you know you have to recruit at a high level. I mean, his last name being Stoops makes me believe he could do it. He could be a great recruiter, but he hasn't had to at Kentucky. But he's obviously a very good football coach. Number, well, uh,
1: but, but to your point, he is recruiting better too. Yeah, this year. Um, now I'm interested yeah. to see if that's a.
0: A one-year deal, you know. Mullen had a year where he was he he bumped up, and I think into the top like sixteen or seventeen, and everybody's like, "Okay, about to start rolling," and it never really did.
1: So, is well, just- their their talent level is is jumping up a little bit? They're they're right bit. around. They're they're kind of where Mississippi State is right now. Mm-hmm. They're they're. I would say their talent level is very similar, although getting Robinson in there. And I they're think well Levis, with transfer portals. Yeah, yeah. I think that's that's really helped them, and that's kind of elevated them a little bit. Well, I mean, Robinson and Levis are the reason that they're six and one. I mean, those one guys- really interesting thing is they've had some really good defensive players. Yeah, that since he's been there. Well, they've had and what Bud Dupree, Josh year? Allen. Yeah. Um, they have had some really athletic.
0: And really the kid long- last year was a first rounder too, right? That linebacker, I forget his name.
1: Yeah, I forget. I forget who that is yeah, too. I mean, to my mind's your boy.
0: Smith, you know, was a great college player. Um, yeah. I mean they've, they've, they've had good players. No, no question about it. So
1: uh
0: number nine. People people might you might not agree with this one and people might not, but I, I believe it. It isn't too much hyperbole to say a lot of Mike Leach's future at Mississippi State is tied to this game. If state can't get to a bowl this year. Next year is going to be an incredibly difficult task to get to one. With Georgia on the schedule, I mean, I know Arizona is terrible, but you're going to go on the road to play a Power 5 team. That's, that's never just – you can't just show up and win those games. You still have Memphis on the schedule next year. Say what you want. You lost to them this year. State – Mike Leach needs to put together back-to-back wins and, and give himself a little breathing room and get people on board with him again. Last week was a good start. Saturday was a good start. 45 points. People, people needed to see that. I mean, we talked about it on the show last week. Just winning the game 28-10 to 10 wasn't enough. You needed to be dominant offensively and blow them out. They did it. A, second, a win here would get everybody sort of, okay, okay. It's, it's, it's starting to come together. It's starting to come together. Whether it is or not, you would at least have that perception. This game, to me, is absolutely huge for Mike Leach.
1: The interesting thing about since Mike Leach has been here, there's like no pattern, right? That you know they 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 beat LSU, and they were awful for three or four weeks. Then they you know they were really bad against Vanderbilt, but they won. And the next week they went to Georgia, and almost beat Georgia. Week after that they lost the Egg Bowl, and then they come back, they beat Missouri. Um, you know, the Tulsa game was ugly, but they won. That was in the rain. And you kind of think at that point, okay, now you have a pattern. The team has finally got over the hump. They they were playing well against Georgia. They were pretty good against Ole Miss. It's just you chalked that up to the numbers. And then you got the big win against Missouri where things kind of – everything fell into place and transferred that over to the bowl game and you just found a way to win. Well, then you come into the season this year – you have to come back from twenty points down against La Tech to win the first game. Uh you beat a, a, a eventual top twenty-five team in NC State the next week, and then you lose to Memphis. And then you lose to L S U. And then you go on the road and beat A and M, and then you right. come back and get blown out. I mean, I don't know I don't know what to think about where this team is, you know?
0: There used to be times when you when Dan Mullen was the coach where you could just look at the schedule and just all right, they're going to win these three in a row. And then they'll probably lose here, but they, they'll have those three wins in a row. You can't do that with Mike Leach. You just look at the schedule, you're just like, I don't know. Who knows?
1: Who knows? But that's been him his entire career. It has been. He'll, lo- he'll lose to somebody he's not supposed to lose to, and then he'll go beat Oregon, who's a top-ten team. Um, I, I don't know. I, I don't know what what direction this team's headed. You, you score nine points one week and then come back and score 45 the next. I feel like though, if you win this ball game, I feel like you really start to get the wheels turning a little bit here. Yeah, you're starting I agree. to see it. You're starting to see it click for some of these players, especially the wide receivers. I think the wide receivers look completely different than they did last year. Oh yeah, for sure. Uh, you know, there, there's been some times you know where they haven't been on the same page with Will, but that to me has been the the most notable upgrade from year one to year two. Yeah. And then the offensive line, Will has gotten better at managing things. He doesn't look just overly better than he was last year. Um, And that's no knock on him, but I just think the wide receivers and the offensive line, you can tell a noticeable difference in that group from last year to this year. And I think things are starting to come together for Mississippi State. If you come out and and things are clicking against Kentucky, I feel like we can finally start to say, I do see a pattern here. I do see Mississippi State – making a move. And I think you need that to happen. Mike Leach needs that to happen. Because right now, there's still a lot of people out there that think he's he's going through the motions a little bit. He's in his third stop. He's been coaching for 20 years. You don't see a lot of emotion out of him just because that's kind of who he is at this stage in the game. And people just don't really know what to expect from Mike Leach in the future and how things are going to turn out at Mississippi State. I think you really start to see people – rally around Leach and this this program if they can win this week. You're you're exactly right. This is a huge week for Mississippi State. I'm gonna make a prediction right here. If state beats
0: Kentucky, they will beat Arkansas.
1: I could I, I would I think I would predict that as well. They, I think I'd they, predict that they as well. need that boost. They need that confidence. They need that Yeah.
0: Money. Yeah. All right, number 10, Chance Lovertich, nice to meet you. There's no quarterback controversy though. Let's 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 just stop.
1: I was hoping you were going to go in that direction. Well, you got what you you got what you want there, brother. Because, no, I, I wanted I wanted you to go the opposite direction. I wanted you to say that you wanted to see some more snaps oh, for Lovettich. No, come on,
0: man. Lovettich, look, he does offer a little different skill set. All right, yeah, got a, got a little more mobility. There's no question about that. But it's not like such an – it's not like Matt Corral and John Rice Plumley. all right? Yeah. It's not enough to make a wildcat package with him or anything, all right? He and Will Rogers are 80% the same player. So, no, I'm not going to go that
1: route. And the people who are trying to do so, come on. I, I called both he and Caleb Ducking uh, having a good showing when they came in. I called both of those things happening. I knew immediately when Caleb Ducking came in there and he made like his first one or two catches, I thought we would start seeing some some posts out there. He needs some more playing time. And then Lovertich comes in the ballgame, and I, I remember saying in the press box, he's about to drive right down the field, score a touchdown, and we all know where this is going. Yeah. It's going to be – social media is going to be a buzz. It wasn't as bad as I thought. I think people have uh, reasonable expectations – but the first sign of Will Rogers struggling, we know what's coming. Right. Because we've seen Chance Lovertich now. Well, I mean, I'll tell you, Saturday, I'll tell you what, if, he, if he threw it out, it's like, we've got to yes. make change. Well, here, here's the thing I will say about Lovertich that I liked. I did like the fact that he, when he snapped the ball, he was looking down the field immediately. Mm. He was trying to hit a big play. And then when the play broke down, he took off and run. Yeah. I want to see Will Rogers do a little more of that. I, I felt like his internal clock was a little sharper, for sure.
0: What you say about looking down the field, I think part of that is, this is the only drive I'm getting.
1: I might as well take some shots. Yeah, uh, there's, there's no doubt about that. There's no doubt. So. But at the same time, and that's all that we've seen from him to really to gather, right. but right. He, I, I thought that was a pretty pass that he made to uh, Ra-Ra Thomas. Hey, yeah. Ra-Ra Thomas is back. ra and? And? My boy,
0: your boy, Rufus. As soon as he caught that ball, I was just like,
1: "Man, twenty-four-seven is about to blow up with this." And he almost had, and he had one right in his hands for number two. He did. He did. I'll, I'll say this about Rufus: he is one tough booger to guard. He just—he knows. He, you can tell, he knows how to get open. Yes, he. I understands mean, that how that move. The, the the touchdown was really heads up play by him in yeah. both Will Rogers. Yeah, and then he should he he was wide open on yeah. that next pass. He should have caught it. It really? was a little high, but it hit him in the hands. Should have. Had he it. he he's going to be fine. He I think he's going he's earned himself some more playing time. I agree. All right, number eleven. As I said at the beginning of this, each thing was
0: progressively more true. So thus for thus and therefore and all that stuff. This is the truest thing on the list. Are you ready? Mike Leach is right. Candy corn is in fact disgusting in all of its mutant forms. If you like candy corn, I don't know that I necessarily trust you.
1: I mean, I I don't actively seek candy corn, mm-hmm. but if it's available to me, no, I will eat it. No. I, I don't understand the hate for candy corn. It's disgusting. It's just a ball of sugar.
0: That's, you like sugar? I mean I like sugar but can I have like something else? It's just it's just an unnatural texture and taste and it's just it's just foul. Have
1: Mike, you never you, So you mean to tell me that you never pretended when you were a child to be a vampire and stuck the candy corn in your I do a lot of things different now
0: that I'm an adult. But no, I was never big for the candy corn or the little pumpkins. No.
1: No. I mean, like I said, it's not my most favorite thing. I'm not, but one point I thought he made—he's made before. I don't think he said it the other night. There's a reason that that is like a once in a year thing. That's all you need. People don't. It's not. It's not popular enough that people want this year round. Yeah, I will eat it. Like I said, if it's available to me, I'm not going to go to the store and buy some. No, never under any circumstances.
0: Also. Spree in a box, that's a good call, Coach. I'll give you that one.
1: Spree that kind of underrated. That, that's, a, that's a movie theater It is. Snack. It is. But Spree is the, underrated. Uh, the, the main thing, uh, the main point of contention I have with him is the Almond Joy. See, I am not a huge
0: Almond Joy guy. Me neither. But I'll, I'll let it slide. I, I, I'm going to give a little inside baseball. I actually texted Leach today. I was like, Coach, my wife heard what you said about almond joy. She makes almond joy cookies from time to time. If you want her to bake you some cookies, you just got to let me know. And he said definitely. So we'll be sending Coach Leach some cookies. He'll take that. He I'm will. Sure. He will. Almond joy cookies. That sounds interesting. Chocolate chip cookies with a little coconut and a little some crumbled almonds in there.
1: I just don't understand why uh, Reese's were not ahead of almond joy. Uh, and his rankings. Maybe and-
0: you know, maybe Reese's to him is a little bit, uh, a little bit overplayed. You know, I mean, I, I, I not that I'm not a fan. I love him, but you know, it, it's every, it's every day. Almond Joy under the radar. Eh. some under the radar choices with Almond Joy and Spree. It's it's way under the radar for me. Oh, I, I understand. All right. Well, I believe that candy is important. I believe that you know. People's uh, Halloween traditions are important, but something else is also important. Let's talk about something important. Put that
1: coffee down. Coffee's for closers only. Coffee
0: is for closers is brought to you by our friends at Strange Brew Coffee. i start your day the right way with a drink from Strange Brew. I want to point out that Mike Leach has been drinking Starbucks all this time. He brought Strange Brew to the press conference on Monday, 1-0 since the Strange Brew. So stick with the good stuff, coach. Drink local, head to Strange Brew. I don't see how I can't give Scott Lashley no coffee on this one. I, it just didn't play a good game. Uh, and like I said, it, it's a concern going forward for him. Uh, they've got to figure out a way to either help him or replace him because what the status quo can't continue. So that's something they've got to figure out. They've been avoiding me all year, Robbie. They've been flying under, you know, flying under you know, from detection. But finally, South Carolina breaks through, and they'll get no coffee this week. Um, I mean, I knew they were not a good team, but they just got so manhandled. I think they only had like 15 uh, yards of offense at some point in the third quarter. A&M absolutely blasted them. I don't know that they'll win another game this year I, without looking at their schedule. I think the only non-conference game they have left is Clemson, which could literally be the most boring football game of all time. Two teams that cannot score. They cannot score. By the way, another, no coffee for Dr. Pepper. Way to sign DJ oolaga laga laga to a long-term uh, NIL deal, and now he's been benched. So what do you
1: do with the with these like are is, are these nil deals performance based? That's you the thing. just dropping. They cannot be performance based under any circumstances. That is the rule. So I mean, how but silly they have is to
0: that? Exactly, exactly. They have to like, like to put him out there, despite the fact that he's probably not going to be playing.
1: I mean, think about how quickly things change for quarterbacks in college football. Spencer Rattler. Spencer Rattler's a guy that's very similar to Bryce Young and that he was picking up tons of NIL deals. He was preseason number one overall pick in the draft. And now he's, not, he's on the bench, and he's not coming
0: back to Oklahoma in all likelihood. Derek King, not the same situation, but injuries have forced him out. But he had a ton of NIL deals. This, this, there's going to be some cautionary tales out there and a lot of businesses are going to say okay maybe i need to sort of slow down i want to help my team but there's got to be a better way uh to do it so i don't know but south carolina no coffee for the gamecocks
1: this week by the way how about um how how big was that win against texas a&m now from mississippi state when you look back at it if- alabama loses at a&m south carolina gets destroyed i mean that that was that was a huge win that that was as big as almost any of Dan Mullen's road wins that he ever had at Mississippi State. Hmm. The LSU game probably tops it 14. in 2014. And I don't know about – I mean, Florida yeah, – I'm and trying, to take, trying to take egg bowls out of the equation. Uh,
0: Florida 10 is a good one. And That Alabama, team
1: wasn't great. That team wasn't great. It wasn't
0: great, but to go to Florida and win, especially the way they won, was something. yeah. I mean you're 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 not wrong. This was a that's right up there. It's right up especially there. Especially when you consider how I mean that 2010 team going to Florida, that was a good MSU team. The 14 team, we didn't know it at the time, but they were obviously very good. This team is winning on the road was uh, is surprising. It was surprising to see it happen the way it did. That, that was a typical they had lost to Memphis on the road. That was a typical Mike Leach exactly win. Exactly. I thought about going Clemson, no coffee, but I went another way. Penn State, and more importantly, these new overtime rules. A nine-overtime game that finishes with a final score of 20-18. to 18. What an embarrassment. So, I mean, you think about these old games, right? The Ole Miss-Arkansas, uh, was that seven OTs? 58-56
1: is the final? Kentucky-Arkansas. Uh,
0: Kentucky-Arkansas was in the 60s and 50s. And then, of course, you have the LSU-Texas m game, which is what – Spread. What's which? Is what led to this? An overreaction to a once in a lifetime game, which was freaking awesome, by the way, to watch. So yes. much fun, and we overreact, and now we have these dumb rules where it's just a two point conversion. But Penn State and Illinois can't even do that. Twenty to eighteen in nine overtimes. You should be fired, James Franklin. LSU wants James Franklin. Please let that happen. Obviously, guy. What is going on there? So, I feel like they're going to be changing overtime rules again. I had somebody tweet at me, one of my, my friend Brian McDuff, one of my pet peeves over the last two decades has been how they always tell you the overtime rules. Like, you, we haven't been playing under the same rules for 25 years. But now the rules are different, so I understand why you have to tell them. I get it's it. Like,
1: but it's, like when the, it's like when Howard Finkel would give the Royal Rumble rules. And uh Who men
0: know. will enter,
1: and then every 60 seconds another competitor. And then and and uh the king would come in there, shut up, you loud mouth, or something yeah. like that. That's how I feel whenever they give the overtime rules. Well, I, I was I was telling Steph the same thing you just said yesterday. We made these rules based on a game right. that was incredibly rare. Mm-hmm. That game, that game happens Never once every again. that game happens once every decade. Um, and you know, we did this and what, what, what did that do yesterday? We just had nine overtimes doing that. It it made it running the the Notre Dame
0: box. What's going on here? The big 10, Illinois, Penn state, everything. Embarrassment, no coffee for any of them. I know it's cold up there. Drink some hot tea. You get no coffee. All right. Tomorrow's show. We will, (laughs) uh, recap Mike Leach's press conference. We'll have our SEC picks. I'm still one game up on Robbie. Uh, plus, we'll start talking a little bit more about Mississippi State and Kentucky. Should be a good week here on the show. Plenty to talk about. Plus, tomorrow's show, we unveil our newest sponsor. Who could it be? Ooh. 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 So, ooh. Who could it be? Ooh. So we'll talk about all that on tomorrow's show. Very exciting. Uh, hope you guys are back with us. Until then, for Robbie Falk, I'm Brian Haydad. Thanks for listening to Thunder and Lightning on Super Talk Mississippi.